This podcast of Central Indiana Today is brought to you by Figment 2 McDonald's. Stop by any of their stores in Avon, Brownsburg, Danville, Speedway, and 10th Street, next to Ben Davis High School, for great specials, including the two for $2.50 and two for $5. They also have all-day breakfast items, which now include biscuits and McGriddles. And coming soon to the Danville location, Wednesdays will be family night. Figment 2 McDonald's is a proud supporter of Central Indiana Today and WYRZ 98.9. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey of the Kevin Kersey Agency. The Kevin Kersey Insurance Agency, a member of the Farmers Insurance Group, can help you with your home, life, auto, or business needs. We are located at 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg, and our phone number is 317-286-3481. We can also be found on Facebook at the Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. Indiana Family Dentistry is located at 505 North Green Street in Brownsburg. Dr. Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is 852-5999 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio. This is Donald James of Impact Youth Mentoring. Impact Youth is a not-for-profit mentoring organization providing mentoring services to the children of Hendricks County. We pair mentors ages 16 and older with youth in Hendricks County. Over the past five years, we have been able to impact over 120 children through our mentoring and tutoring programs. Information about becoming a mentor or finding a mentor for a child can be found at impactyouthmentoring.org or via email at impactyouth1010 at gmail.com. The UPS Store Brownsburg is located at 124 East Northfield Drive in Brownsburg. Their phone number is 858-1422. The UPS Store Brownsburg can handle your printing needs, including color, large format, and business cards. They also do blueprints, mailers, and invitations. Thanks to owner Tom Reese and all the folks at the UPS Store Brownsburg for supporting community radio in Hendricks County. The Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Today's program is made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency, 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg. And now here's your host, Rob Kendall. Welcome in to another edition of Central Indiana Today here on 98.9 WIRZ. I'm Rob Kendall. Thanks for joining us on the program today. Not one, not two, not three, but four, yes, four great guests. And uh, we will be speaking in just a little bit with our friend, former Major Leaguer Bill Sampin. He's got an event going on in Brownsburg on Saturday. We're going to speak with Kelly Coy from the One Mission Society, talking about uh, placing missionaries all over the world and becoming a missionary. And we're also going to uh, speak with Aaron Nagengard from the Indiana Attorney General's Office. He's part of the new team coming in with uh, new Attorney General Curtis Hill. So we'll talk a little bit about some of the top priorities from that very important office in 2017. lot to get to, not a lot of time, so we get things started with our good friend, United States Senator Joe Donnelly. Here's that conversation. The privilege of this time speaking with our good friend, United States Senator Joe Donnelly. Senator, how are you doing today? Very good. Thanks so much for having me with you, and I want to wish Merry Christmas and uh, Happy Holidays to everybody. 
Well, uh, let's talk about some of the big issues that you've been working on uh, legislation-wise. I know, first of all, you're once again working on dealing with opioid abuse. We have been. We were able to pass what's called the 21st Century Cures Act, and it helped provide significant funding uh, to, to counter opioids, to be able to provide funding for police and fire and EMS to help with this scourge. And so um, we were able to uh, get that passed. In, in addition, there were also funds to um, help the National Institute for Health in their fight against cancer and diabetes, Parkinson's, uh, and similar diseases. Okay, uh, another issue that I know is really big for you right now are jobs. It's obviously a big deal with Carrier here in Indiana stopping the shipping of jobs out of the country. Tell us a little bit about that. I have uh, proposed legislation that includes um, making sure that if you want federal contracts, that the federal contracts first go to companies that employ American workers as opposed to uh, companies that are shipping their jobs overseas. Additionally, that the tax code is written to benefit uh, companies who keep their jobs here in the U.S. rather than sending them overseas. These seem to be, um, you know, common sense things that you know, keep jobs here in the state. Congress United Senator Joe Donnelly, obviously I'd be curious to get your, your thoughts on Carrier, a good thing for Indiana, but where do we go from here? Well, I was glad to see some of the jobs um, being saved. I'd sure love to see the rest of them. Um, Carrier's made very, very good profits at that point. They've done very well. And so what we want to do is make sure that Carrier and other companies understand, you know, as we move forward with the laws, that the economic choice, the smart choice, all of those are to stay here in the state. I'm curious when a new president comes in, obviously this is the, you've worked with presidents before and the other party and now a president of your own party and now another party again. How does it change for you when you're dealing with a different president? Well, it really doesn't much, um, believe it or not. It's just if they want to propose uh, good, common-sense, smart things that help Indiana and the country count me in, um, if they have some things that are not as good, um, you know, I'll pass on those. And so sometimes I was with uh, President Bush, sometimes not. Sometimes I was with uh, President Obama, sometimes not. And with President Trump, whenever he does good, common-sense things that make the country stronger, I'll stand there with him. Okay, a uh, final topic that I know is really close to your heart, uh, veterans. I know you've got some, some proposals out there on veterans. Yeah, we're working forward to try to make sure that um, we can provide great health care to veterans. We are trying to uh, increase our assistance in the mental health area for them to be able to have more professionals um, be able to get care locally as opposed to having to go to VA centers and trying to make it more convenient um, if we can. Talk, talk about a little bit about your affinity for veterans. I know that's something really, really close to your heart. They they uh, they signed up. They put their lives on the line for us. When they didn't have to, they said, look, count on me. Uh, count on me to stand up for America. Um, my dad was in the Navy. My uncle fought in Patton's Army. And so uh, uh, he always used to look at us and say, did you ever hear anybody say anything about that, about Patton? You'd Give him a whack in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Senator, I know you're okay, Uncle Tom, I'll do that. <laughs> Senator, I want to close with this. Tell us a little bit about, about what Christmas and the holiday season means to you. A uh, chance to be with family, uh, a chance to, uh, uh, you know, to go to church together and, and to see the birth of our Lord and for uh, hope and renewal. And so it's more than anything a chance to... Uh, to see those you love and to ask the good Lord for uh, 
his grace, his presence, and to celebrate his birth. Well, Senator, we love you. Keep up the great work and look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thanks. That was United States Senator Joe Donnelly. Always a privilege to speak with him. And, you know, originally on today's show, we didn't have him scheduled in, but got a message yesterday. said, hey, the senator wants to talk. And, you know, when that happens, you, you, you got to take the phone call, right? Yeah, we, we love Senator Donnelly. Always a pleasure to, to speak with him. Keep the show rolling now. We had a chance earlier this week to sit down and chat with Kelly Coy. She's with the One Mission Society, and they place missionaries all over the world. Missionary work is a, is a topic that really interests me, and uh, we've had multiple folks who have done missionary work on the show uh, over the last year and a half, and, and I always enjoy learning more about it. thought Kelly would be an interesting person to uh, get a good perspective on this topic from. Here's that conversation. Kelly, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Okay, so missionary work, it's a huge thing. We have people on all the time that have done missionary work here in central Indiana. I'm, I'm curious what inspired you to want to be a part of that and help try to organize and send people out, out into the field. Um, so uh, when I became a Christian, I started praying about um, what kind of um, career that would mean for me and just if it would change my career at all um, because I had spent uh, most of my time teaching and um I was on a sabbatical from ministry and teaching and um, really felt like God was pointing me in the direction of missions. And um, I saw the opportunity online with One Mission Society and um, just went for it. And uh, and as soon as I kind of started stepping into the role, um, I was affirmed by a lot of people that it was um, something that really fit my gifts right. and my skill set. And um and so it was I'm, a, I'm curious being a teacher like was that hard to give that up I mean I know you still do it and we'll talk about that in a second but was it hard to give up a traditional day job to go to something that different yes because it's not your traditional missions where you're out on the field and you're moving around and um, I'm kind of an active uh, person and so um, it's definitely different than a classroom I'm sitting in a cubicle right um, I did have to go out and buy a lot of plants and they gave me the window <laughs> cubicle to make me feel like I <laughs> wasn't actually sitting in a cubicle but uh, yeah and just the the day-to-day -day interactions and things like that was definitely different so let's talk about getting people out in the field and, and doing missionary work how do you uh, you know a lot of people hear this and say how would I get started in terms mm. of being a missionary that's a great question so a lot of times people come to us um, they'll inquire like they'll just Google online missions or something really? like that yeah and hopefully One Mission Society pops up or any reputable um, right. agency. And um, they start um, by filling out information and then we contact them. And that's my job. I'm kind of, um, my position is called a mobilizer. Um, and what I'll it do- Sounds like fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll walk alongside people and help them discern that that's what they want to do. And it's um, a really hard process. Family doesn't understand why they're selling their house and giving up everything that they've worked really hard for, not using their degree, things like that, or potentially using their degree in a way mm -hmm. that they didn't see. And so I walk with them as they go through that process of informing their family, praying about it, figuring out where they're going onto the field. So I'll connect them with um, a field leader and um, we'll see what availabilities are in the field and just kind of match up their skill set and the gifts just like my okay process. so missionary work is there a is there preferred place is not the right word but are there <laughs> places where you guys say hey we really need people in these areas um so we do have like a giant list of opportunities that you know mozambique this is what we need we need teachers in mozambique we need this we do have that but for the most part we like to go um on um, God's lead and if somebody comes in with a calling to serve in Mozambique as a teacher then we like to 
make that opportunity available to them um, rather than fill roles and fill slots and have openings and put people in those. Um, do you, is there a process of vetting process, I guess, for lack of a better term with your missionaries? Cause you might get a lot of people that might on a whims go, Oh, this is something I really want to do. And then a month later go, Oh, this was not for, for me. And you don't want that. Yes. So the process is really long. Um, I know firsthand, even as a stateside mobile or stateside employee, um, my process was very long. Um, it takes close to six months to a year to, um, go through. And, um, a lot of times if you're not really cut out for it or it's not something that you really want or you're not called to you're not going to go through the right. long process so just the time frame weeds people out um but people also go through um personality tests and applications and things like that what uh, what is the primary reason people come to you and want to do missionary work i mean are they do they have an epiphany do they have a calling is it something they actually sit down and think through a lot of times what 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 are what are what is the average person that comes to you like well, traditionally, they're either um, young, right out of school, and um, they're eager to go out and do God's work. A lot of times, they're just there's just an anxiousness, and then they pray into that, and um, or they're retired in a field. So I've recently um, mobilized a couple who are getting ready to mobilize a couple who um, have their degree in counseling and they are professors and um, they're looking to teach missionary care um, to others and also care for missionaries and so they just feel like at this point in their life they've done the career thing they've been a teacher and all of that and so they really feel like this is the next step for them to kind of give back um, to what they've been giving to all the while so I get to go home and I get to uh sit in my place tonight and it's warm and it's nice and I get to watch uh, you know whatever I want to and a lot of people that come to you I assume have lived that sort of life is there a preparation for how their lives are, are going to change because they're probably going to places where a lot of that stuff doesn't exist yes yeah, so I would say that uh, one of the first questions I ask is have you ever been on a missions trip um, because that's going to give you people say yes like what percentage would you say say yes I would say most of them. Okay. Rarely do people say they want to be a career missionary and right. they've never actually stepped foot on the mission field. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a flag to me as the mobilizer to say, well, maybe they, we need to slow down that process of sending them out. So, um, yeah, definitely need to go out onto the mission field and serve. And um, and beyond that, I really feel like when your heart is is prepared for something, um, everything also falls into place, really, as far as getting used to not having TV and things like that. Um. Kelly, I'm curious because you were a teacher for a long time. You still work as a as a teacher. Do you feel uh, are you conflicted sometimes? Like, should I go back and do this? Are you pretty sure that you're where you this is what you want to do going forward? Well, I think that that's where um, really discerning and spending a lot of time in prayer and having people pray for for you is a big thing because um, right now I work in Indiana, and if I decided to not do mission work any longer, it would be okay. My life wouldn't change a lot and it wouldn't be a big deal. However, if you're serving in Haiti and three months into it, a year into it, um, you say, mm, it's not really for me, then you're kind of stuck. Right. <laughs> I mean, not stuck, stuck, but it's not a good thing. And also you're affecting so many other people. So um, just really making sure that uh that you have a call in your life and it's something that God really wants for you and has prepared you for. And so that's why really spending a lot of time in prayer, you and people around you to make sure that it's a calling. All right. So people may be hearing this. And they're going, I'm considering doing this. I'm not sure if I want to do this. Take us through some of the initial steps people should do before they decide whether they're going to reach out and make that, that phone call to you. So I would definitely say, like I mentioned before, um, 
if you're involved in a church, uh, see if your church is going on a missions trip um, in the future. Uh, if you have a missions board at your church, connect with them. Um, talk with your pastor and see um, if you know they see anything in you that might be um, good for the serving on the mission field. Talk with the people that know you really well and, um, and kind of get their perspective. And like I said, uh, just having a really faithful prayer life. And, um, and then you can contact agencies. Uh, One Mission Society is a really great agency, and, um, and we know a lot. We partner with a lot of other organizations, and so if, they're, if we don't have the field that you're looking for or something like that, then um, we can definitely point you in the direction of a good sending agency. And if people want more information on that, how can they get that? Um, they can go to onemissionsociety.org. Well, Kelly, thanks for being with us today and telling us uh, all about this this really exciting field. We really appreciate it. I think it's awesome that people go out and do this, and I, I always like learning more about um, people giving up their lives, basically, to serve other people. You're welcome. Uh, it's a privilege to share. That was Kelly Coy with the One Mission Society talking about missionary work all across the globe. Also had a chance to sit down and chat with our good friend, former Major League Baseball player, now Brownsburg business owner, Bill Sampin. Bill has an event going on tomorrow in Brownsburg. So stop by to talk about that, as well as, well, the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series. Here's that conversation. Bill, how's it going? Going great. All right, so big event, year number two. Uh, what do we got going on Saturday night? Saturday, second annual Stepping Out to Strike Out Type 1 Diabetes event at the Shack. Um, going to have a little bit of everything. Going to have Tucker Barnhart there signing some autographs, and we'll have all kinds of uh, memorabilia and other silent auction items, and then the Mississippi Rag Lips and River Dogs at 9 o'clock to entertain the adults. Yeah, so Tucker Barnhart, he was on the show a couple weeks ago. He's just a great guy, isn't he? Good guy, yes, for sure. Um, I'm curious, when you watch people, you've worked with so many kids, and you see these local kids evolve, and a guy like Tucker Barnhart become a superstar. We, we've talked about this on the show before. Um, he also has this penchant, this importance to give back, and that probably means a lot to you because I know we've talked about this before, that it was something that was put on your heart to give back to other people. Yeah, I, I think it is somewhat inherent in athletes when you've traveled down that road and you've had the opportunity to play at the highest level. Um, I, I think something strikes you when you get there about the special opportunity that it is and uh, helps you to appreciate, you know, those that have helped you along the way and the path that you've taken. And I think it does put in you a desire to uh, to give back to the community and to other people. So we were there last year, a uh, lot of people at this event. But before we talk about the event, tell us about type 1 diabetes, because I know it's a sort of a misunderstood thing. It's a little bit different from what the average person might know diabetes to be. Tell us about it. Yeah, in short, um, it is it is extremely different than type 2 diabetes, and that's so, somewhat of the misnomer because the names are somewhat similar, but only about 5% of all diabetics are type 1. The, the difference is essentially this. A type 2 diabetic's pancreas still produces insulin, which is what you need to break down carbohydrates, but it doesn't use the insulin efficiency for various reasons. Sometimes uh, diet and exercise can greatly um, enhance the the efficiency of it in a type 1 diabetic the pancreas does not produce any insulin so every carbohydrate that goes into a type 1's body has to be accounted for has to be injected with uh, the synthetic insulin and although that sounds somewhat simple because everything has carbohydrate um, you know has in the ingredients tells you how many carbohydrates are in it is is very inexact science and there's all kinds of things that impact that including uh, stress, anxiety, rest, lack of rest, uh, all types of things. 
So it, it leaves a Type 1 constantly shooting at a moving target, um, constantly concerned about where their blood sugar levels are, which impacts your mood, impacts your your sociability, impacts your, your mind, impacts your body, impacts every aspect of your life, every second of your life. Uh, that's the Reader's Digest condensed version, but it is a very psychologically draining disease and uh, is a relentless monster. Uh, you, this is a personal thing that you've been Im- impacted by. I know uh, two of your boys have this, right? Is right. That, that right? So as a, from a parent perspective, take away Bill Sampin, the professional athlete, you know, you and your wife, Amy, your parents, you know, first and foremost, what was that like to have to learn about this and, and deal with it? Well, we're still learning and it, it is a nonstop uh, learning curve, I think, for the parents as well. And when you consider the fact that the very drug insulin is what is needed for you to survive is also something that can kill you in your sleep uh, for the type one and the parents again that's something that never leaves the mind of either one um and this is we talked about this i think a little bit last year when when we previewed the event um there's all this there's always a fight in the medical field for what's the big thing where are the dollars going to go what where is the research going to go for a long time it was AIDS, HIV, and now it's somewhat cancer is, is the big fight is there an emphasis put on trying to find a cure or find uh, you know betterment for type 1 diabetes well i think that's a deep topic um I, I think because I've never heard of it before you guys started talking about it right yeah I, I think it's it's hidden um, to some degree now the people who work in that industry are, are, would definitely argue that and there have been great um, strides made in terms of the technology for sure but if you if you notice some of the hashtags it's uh, you know that that insulin is no cure and and really our desire obviously is that there that a cure is found gadgets while nice perhaps don't fix it right and um ironically and 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 at the risk of sounding ungrateful those who are personally dealing with type one a gadget fixes nothing right and what what does that mean um because it's something you never know until you go through it and you've gone through it for for example the you know improving insulin pumps again helpful not a cure um, and there's there's always research going. I just saw a, a, a post on a, you know, what is called a, um, a new pancreas. Well, it's not a pancreas. It's something that hangs on the outside of your body and it monitors it. And, and, and yes, it can be a help, but it doesn't fix any of the real concerns or the, the day-to-day, moment-to-moment grind of the disease. So I, I, I can't answer exactly how much impact or how much effort is going into the cure, but honest, obviously, when it's something that impacts you directly, not as much as we'd like. Right. Get our guest is former Major Leaguer Bill Sampin, owns, of course, a, a business right here in Brownsburg now. Uh, tell us again about the event you have coming up Saturday. Yeah, Saturday beginning at 7 o'clock, uh, stepping out to strike out type 1 diabetes. It's a fundraiser for the foundation. And uh, like I said, begins at 7 with Tucker autographing. People can check out all the silent auction items and then 9 o'clock. Uh, there will be a band just to, um, you know, for people to hang out and have a good time. Now, our good friend Faith Tool last year was on uh, the drink, uh, the drink carrier. So you got <laughs> Faith involved. Once you got Faith, you know, it's all, it's all, you know, just easy downhill from there, right? Right, right, right. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit about. Um, 
your your kids you know what is it what is it because the person may be hearing this for the first time and we're learning about it and what is a day like for them what what do they have to do that may be different from a from an average person uh from the moment a type one wakes up it's different than the average person because the again the first thing on their mind is what is their blood sugar what's their glucose level and while you and i would be probably somewhere 80 to 100 no matter what we put in our mouths everything they put in their mouths every bit of stress every uh, lack of rest exercise everything impacts their blood sugar level so that's constantly on the mind of a type one that means they're going to be doing blood sugar checks frequently they're going to be injecting insulin frequently they're they're giving thought to everything that they are about to eat what they need to eat what this impact had what this food has i'd be dead in 30 seconds well yeah it's that's that's why we describe it as a relentless monster it's literally every moment because i was thinking about it this morning before i came in and uh i don't have the best diet in the world i uh you know occasionally do things i shouldn't and i was sitting there thinking before i came in to do this interview i thought i, I was gonna have some ice cream for breakfast which i'm sure you as a professional athlete would tell me that's a terrible idea yeah that's not a very good idea <laughs> but i was thinking you know i can do this and go well it just really wasn't a very good idea and go on down the road um your children make that decision and it could be a life-altering decision for them well it can and it can impact them um for hours to come because you know we've seen this happen time and again even in the midst of a baseball game where the blood sugar goes low well yeah okay you get carbohydrates and your blood sugar starts to come back up but it's not as though you take a couple drinks of gatorade now i feel good once your blood sugar goes down it takes a, a, a period of time for that to regulate and you get back to feeling normal but you know in that case a baseball game goes on right and every day a life goes on right. so if you're at the workplace if you're studying for an exam if you're in the midst of an exam then you add to that the the anxiety that comes with that and it just continues to compound and you know one of your your sons i think your oldest son experienced this during a very important baseball game i know what happened to him when he was, was playing at brownsburg i mean you literally have an instant disruption of your of your life with type 1 diabetes yeah absolutely yeah okay so let's talk about uh, something fun here for a second your youngest son is doing outstanding playing college baseball mm-hmm. had a great year tell us about that yeah, he's a, he was a freshman last year at Wright State, sophomore this year, and um, uh, had the opportunity to step in and become a weekend starter for them as a freshman, which is a, a really cool opportunity, and he, he made the most of it. The team was very good. Um, he pitched extremely well and, and was um, you know awarded some, some pretty cool awards at the end of the year. Yeah, and they played great. They ended up getting in the NCAA tournament, did mm-hmm. very well. Um, that's uh, That's got to be a pretty big honor for him, especially because there's always some pressure. We've, we've talked about this before on the show that you're not the dad that's really involved. You step back, you try to stay out of the way, but you're still a former major leaguer son, so it's got to be cool for him at a young age to be getting his own you know accolades and, and stepping out. Yeah, he Caleb's his own person, and that's uh, that's pretty cool to see. And I don't think, I don't think that adds any. You know, I don't think he allows that to put any pressure on him. I suppose it's in you know a little bit inherent, but um, he um, he's a good kid. He's a smart kid. He's got his head on his shoulders, and so is I was as happy to see him uh, have that kind of opportunity. Wanna in the final five minutes we have here come back to the uh, the big event. Now, last year you told me because I tried to give you some credit for the event. You said no, it's all my wife. I said mm-hmm. my your, my wife is the planner. Tell us about all the work that goes into this for for Amy because I know she does a ton of stuff for this event. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things involved. I mean, just and and a lot of people help. Um, typically, anything good that happens, she's responsible for. Anything on the other side of the coin, I've probably had a hand in. <laughs> 
Um, but there's a lot of people involved, a lot of work involved, a lot of volunteers, and even more so this year than last year. And that's what's kind of cool to see people uh, jump on board and just try to try to help educate people. You know, to be honest, I, it, there's just so much ignorance with regard to the, the disease and so much ignorance that we ran into and continue to run into with people, quite frankly, who should know better and should have enough sensitivity to at least dig into the topic. Um, and so to see people uh, jump on board and help um, is, is really encouraging. We, we just don't want people to have to go through some of the same, uh, frankly, garbage that we did when all it takes is a little bit of time, a little bit of effort, a little bit of sensitivity, and a little bit of research to get a little feel for what these people and these kids are going through. And perhaps what's most important to someone who has an ability to impact them isn't the most important to that kid. Yeah, and you mentioned the kids, and that's the worst part. Your kids were a little bit older when they were diagnosed, right? I mean, they were... Sam was six, Okay, and Isaac was 13. Okay, all right. Um, so, the, you know, you take a six-year-old kid, I mean, that's... It's one thing as an adult, you know, to deal with it, and right. you know, and you can process information. A six-year-old kid, a trip to the through the lunch line could be could be devastating. Well, yeah, and it's, and it's interesting. The more and more that you, you know, you talk to type ones, for example, one of the things that used to really stress our kids was if they, when they were in college, if they were on a bus ride and there was no bathroom mm-hmm. or there's no access to any food, there's this constant sense of panic yeah. of what do I, if you're in a class yeah. and you have a teacher who is extremely reluctant to allow you to go to the restroom, right. that, that puts panic in their mind, which raises their blood sugar. And again, things that you don't typically think about have a major and lasting impact on them yeah uh, okay uh before we come back and wrap things up by again talking about the event uh another thing that's fun the cubs they won the world series they, they did. did they did it i told you they, they would. Did you did you were spot on um did you enjoy watching the world series this year i thought it was great oh very well i'm sure you did yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, actually I, I did. I thought it was a, it was a great series. It was interesting kind of, you know, played out. I think the way that a lot of people thought with, uh, Cleveland's pitching being a little bit decimated and yeah. a little bit shorthanded, but, uh, cool series, fun to watch. Happy for all you Cub fans, uh, at least most of you, uh, <laughs> And uh, they're 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 a great team, and they look like they're going to be really good for a while. One question I did want to ask you: You know, you've been a free agent before, and we're in the free agent period. What is that like when you're? Is it like you're you're being courted? You're 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 dancing, dating. I mean, what is it like to be a free agent and go through this process? Well, that's kind of two different questions: what it's like to be a free agent, and then what it's like to be courted. Um, <laughs> did just, you have both of those? No, or one of them? Or? No, I was a free agent. <laughs> I'm not sure anybody courted me. Um, but I'm I'm sure it's a I'm sure it has both sides to it. You know, it's it's nice to be wanted at the same time. There's I'm sure great uncertainty in that. You know, for a guy um, who's who's established himself, and then it, you know it's kind of like going through a recruiting process again. It, you know, it sounds better than it is, um, uh, but. Because, I mean, Chapman just signed a big deal yeah. today, and you were not making $86 million when you were playing baseball. No, I was a little short of that. But, I mean, I, would, from your perspective as a guy who was a, 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 you know, a good hand, a sturdy hand to have out there, teams always needed arms. Did you look for a good offer? Did you look for a location? Did you look for, hey, somebody wants me, I'm going to go there? What sort of factored into where you decided to play? Well, I think there's several. Yeah, I think it depends on where you're at. A guy like Chapman, I mean, obviously he's going to get paid no matter where he goes. 
Um, so there's some other things probably involved. I, I don't think the dollars ever leaves the equation, if, if anybody was to be perfectly honest. Um, I mean, so for a guy, because you played around some re- really rich guys, yeah. I mean, does it may, really make a difference? I mean, they weren't making $86 million when you were playing, but but does it really make a difference of this team's offered 84 and these guys have offered 86 Do they really care at that point? I think it depends on the individual and depends on the situation. You know, some guys, whether they would admit it or not, yeah, they want the top dollar. And really? They, they want to be the guy, you know, and you and you can't fault them for that. I mean, they, they want to be at the top of their profession. For other people, you know, they may have a perspective of I've made I've made my money a little bit less. Is it going to matter? I want to go to a place I want to be or I want to go to the place where I think I have an opportunity to win. Um, you know, there may be family involved. I mean, there's a lot of different factors that can go into it. All right, well, let's wrap up telling everybody again the event uh, coming up Saturday night. Uh, I was there last year. Tucker was wonderful, as he always is. Um, so tell us uh, about the event. Yep, Saturday, uh, 7 o'clock. Tuck will be there signing autographs. Uh, We encourage anybody to just come out, check it out, stay as long as you want. We'll be there uh, for a while, so probably be there till at least midnight, and uh, I think it'll be a good time. Bill, as always, uh, great to talk with you, and, and thanks for all you do for uh, for kids and, and for trying to, to help uh, help people that are in need. Thanks for having me. That was our good buddy, former Major League Baseball player Bill Sampin, stopping by, and always appreciate uh, the opportunity to visit with him. I want to wrap up the program today by talking with Aaron Nagengard. He is with the Indiana Attorney General's Office, going to be a part of the new team coming in under our new Attorney General, Curtis Hill, who you heard from earlier this week on the show. We're going to talk about some of the big issues that the Attorney General's Office will be tackling. Here's that conversation. Aaron, how's it going today? Very good. Going very well. Good. So explain to us what the transition is like for the Attorney General's office. We talked with Curtis earlier this week, but I want to go into some detail what it's like to have a transition for the Attorney General's office. Well, since we an interesting challenge for myself personally, I transitioned in the prosecutor's office, but it was a much smaller uh, office. I mean, there's almost 400 employees in the Attorney General's office, and there's a wide range of responsibilities. And they have offices uh, all over the state um, and even all over Indianapolis. So um, it's been an interesting challenge uh, learning a lot of stuff about what the Attorney General's office is engaged in um, and meeting their employees. Um, and it's just been an interesting challenge. It is uh, very, very time consuming. Um, just due to the, the number of employees and the number of responsibilities the Attorney General Office holds. We want to be able to get the ground running on January 9th, so we have a lot to do between now and then. So take us through what the Attorney General's Office does. A lot of people probably have no idea. Well, the Attorney General's Office, generally speaking, is the attorney for the state and for the people of the state. So it's the attorney general is an independently elected office, and he has a number of responsibilities under that um, provision. We pursue uh, multi-state litigation or litigation, uh, consumer protection-related litigation that results in settlements for the states. Many people don't know this, but over the last four years, um, at, under the Greg Zeller administration, they've recovered almost $900 million on behalf of the state. And so the the office generates a lot of revenue through the hard work being done by the 
members of the Attorney General's office, and it comes through various forms, tobacco settlements, um, unclaimed property generates revenue, Medicaid fraud, tax collections, multi-state litigation, um, where the citizens of the state have been wronged by a various corporation, uh, and, and a lot of times there's many attorney generals involved in that. The AG's office is involved in lawsuits like that. There's consumer complaints. There's the Consumer Protection Division. There's the Medicaid Fraud Division. There's the... Uh, so over and above the general responsibilities, you have all these other responsibilities, telephone privacy, uh, um, a number of responsibilities. They have to handle all appeals on behalf of the state. So any appeal through the Division of Child Services, any appeal through... Uh, criminal cases, which would have been my primary, primary relationship with the Attorney General's office, and any appeals on civil cases on behalf of the state. They have to defend all laws passed by the state, and we have to review legislation um, so that we can properly advise the General Assembly when asked um, regarding particular legislation. So there's a number of responsibilities. Uh, at the Attorney General's office. It's a very interesting uh, office, and I think it, it provides a tremendous opportunity to really um, impact the lives of the citizens of the state in a positive way. Aaron, take us through what some of what your title and responsibilities are going to be under the new administration and uh, and why the challenge is compelling for you. Well, I'm going to be the chief deputy, um, which is basically for lack of a better term, the second in command. And my job is to implement the vision of Curtis Hill, who is the Attorney General, to make certain uh, the office runs according to his standards, that we put, um, provide the best legal rep representation for the state agencies, the state actors, and the people of the state of Indiana. Uh, Curtis's vision entails trying to have some initiatives to address some of the very serious problems addressing our state. And some of those initiatives involve the substance abuse problems, which we have lots of experience, improving cybersecurity and human trafficking. And so fundamentally, he uh, wants to address those issues and look for ways to help solve problems that are um, hurting the citizens of the state. And that's what compelled me to want to help him is because he has a what I think is an ambition, ambitious and vision to try to challenge, to hit some of these problems affecting our citizens head on. And I think ultimately under his leadership we can solve some of the problems that are um, plaguing our state and at least um, address them in a positive manner and ultimately improve the lives of citizens in the state, which is um, what interests me is because I want to do what I can to help see that living through so that lives are better. Aaron, how does that job opportunity come about? Does he say, hey, you're doing a great job. I'd like to, to move you up. You know, uh, I'm sure audience at home will say, how do you get become the, the deputy attorney general? Well, it's, 
you know, I think it, it generally speaking, in a number of past, my particular past was Curtis and I um, have been friends and colleagues for a number of years. And we've worked together on a number of issues at the state level with regards to legislation and criminal justice issues throughout the state. And so throughout that relationship, I was obviously very supportive from very early on about his decision to run for attorney general. And um, because of our relationship, because Curtis has, you know, seen me work and has confidence in what it is I do and bring to the table and want to to help him implement his vision um, for the attorney general's office. Uh, you've touched on this briefly, but maybe if you go into some more detail, what are some of the key issues citizens of Indiana can expect uh, your office to tackle early in 2017? One of the things we're going to is certainly the substance abuse problem. And the governor's task force just issued a, a, a plan that says focusing on enforcement, treatment, and prevention. And that, of course, was what Thurst has been saying very early on in his campaign is this is a comprehensive problem as far as a comprehensive approach. So we're going to do what we can um, to help facilitate um, communities being able to have access to those programs. And we're going to work with community actors and, and community leaders to help develop prevention programs. And one reason Curtis Hill is uniquely um, situated to addressing these issues is in other countries. We've been on the front lines fighting this issue for a number of years. So we're experts in this area. And so we can do, you know, put our Many other number of people who are participating in this process to help um, facilitate change so that the people, so that the people have the tools, so that the enforcement tools are there to make sure we can continue to attack the drug traffickers, that we have the treatment options available for those that want to take the appropriate steps in their life. And that fundamentally, and this is a big programs work and we've gotten away from some of that over the years under that premise that it wasn't working. The prevention programs work. And they're developing more and more programs and we have a lot of tools out there. And fundamentally that's what we the best way to attack this problem is to prevent it from occurring in the first place. I mean that really is the old adage announcing prevention is what the public cares. So absolutely one initiative well, Aaron, we uh, are excited you guys are going to be in there. We know you're going to do a great job, and uh, we'll look very much forward to you keeping us informed of the key things that are going on in the Attorney General's office because it's a very, very important position in Indiana government. All right. Thank you very much for having me. Well, that is going to do it for us today. Don't forget, if you missed any part of any of our three conversations, you can go back and listen to the podcast anytime you want. We're on SoundCloud and iTunes now. You can download the show right to your smartphone or tablet. Go back and listen anytime you want. Just search for Central Indiana Today. As always, the podcast presented by McDonald's. Until next time, I'm Rob Kendall saying have yourself a great evening. 
You've been listening to the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency, 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg. An archive of today's program can be heard at our website, wyrz.org. Tune in next time for another edition of the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today with your host, Rob Kendall. This podcast of Central Indiana Today is brought to you by Figment 2 McDonald's. Stop by any of their stores in Avon, Brownsburg, Danville, Speedway, and 10th Street next to Ben Davis High School for great specials, including the two for $2.50 and two for $5. They also have all-day breakfast items, which now include biscuits and McGriddles. And coming soon to the Danville location, Wednesdays will be family night. Figment 2 McDonald's is a proud supporter of Central Indiana Today and WYRZ 98.9. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey. Since 1968, our family has been helping customers with their insurance needs. We provide insurance coverage for life, home, auto, and recreational vehicles. We are located at 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg, and our phone number is 317-286-3481. The Kevin Kersey Agency can also be found on Facebook at The Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. The Kevin Kersey Agency is a proud member of the Farmers Insurance Group. The UPS Store Brownsburg is located at 124 East Northfield Drive in Brownsburg. Their phone number is 858-1422. The UPS Store Brownsburg can handle your printing needs, including color, large format, and business cards. They also do blueprints, mailers, and invitations. Thanks to owner Tom Reese and all the folks at the UPS Store Brownsburg for supporting community radio in Hendricks County. This is Donald James of Impact Youth Mentoring. Impact Youth is a not-for-profit mentoring organization providing mentoring services to the children of Hendricks County. We pair mentors ages 16 and older with youth in Hendricks County. Over the past five years, we have been able to impact over 120 children through our mentoring and tutoring programs. Information about becoming a mentor or finding a mentor for a child can be found at impactyouthmentoring.org or via email at impactyouth1010 at gmail.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is located at 505 North Green Street in Brownsburg. Dr. Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is 852-5999 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio.